unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today? Nathan, I'm I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic for the video viewers. They have the privilege of seeing a really phenomenal pinky in the brain hat that you're wearing today. It's got brain bright blue with some electric lightning bolt shocks radiating off of his head. And I think it's my favorite pinky in the brain hat of yours that I've seen you wear. I know you, you like the color blue. And by the way, you mentioned that there was a little bit of snow on the ground in Colorado today. Oh my gosh. So as we're recording overnight, we got six and a half, seven inches of snow and I went to go get some Starbucks before we went to record today and I got stuck in the snow. I was afraid I wasn't going to make it back on time, but one of my neighbor guys helped me out. Well, that's good. Thank you for your, on behalf of the Copywriters Podcast, thanks to your neighbor guy. Absolutely. All right. So listen, today let's talk about staying with big copy projects. I mean, this is a problem for all of us. You know, you didn't put together an email once you've gotten good at it, an hour or two, but there are these projects that last weeks and weeks and weeks and months sometimes. And, you know, they say begun is half done, right? <laughs> uh, that's true, but then there's the other half, and that's where we run into trouble sometimes, the half that's not done yet but still needs to get done. So we've covered the steps of how to write a sales letter before, and we'll cover it in the future, but that's not what I want to talk about today. This is more about how you need to prepare and what you need to do when you're working to finish your project, to finish it, and to have the best copy you can have. And I'll give you a hint as to where we're going. I've invented something called the frustration flow scale. So all the way to the left is frozen in frustration. And all the way to the right in the scale is floating effortlessly in flow, effortless and fun. The trick is to get on the right side of the scale and stay there for as long as possible, as often as possible. So all the things we're going to talk about today are ways to get to and stay on the right side of the scale of the frustration flow scale as much as possible. Not so much so you have a nice day as if you are in a flow state, you're much more likely to get your project done. So look at it this way. You're doing a jigsaw puzzle. You've got this round piece and a round hole where it looks like it should fit. Frustration would be struggling and pushing and scrunching and scheming to get the round piece in the round hole. Flow would be just slipping it in without so much as giving it a second thought. I would hope, however, that you give a second thought to this. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you're making extreme claims and if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health and finance and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So, what we're going to do today is figure out the steps you need to take ahead of time 
to get to flow is the end result. It's how we want our work to go, but you can't just drop into flow without being prepared. Frustration will derail you over and over again if you haven't done certain things ahead of time to present it. Think of frustration as a series of detours that keep you from arriving at flow. It's much harder to keep going on a big project when you keep banging your head against the wall or you get your momentum interrupted because there are things that need to be done before you can move forward. Today's show is about heading them off at the pass. That is clearing away the frustrations in advance or doing what you need to do ahead of time to be prepared for steps in the process so they don't turn into huge stock points that mire you down. We're going to move quickly through three sets of skills and knowledge that will help you get the dang thing done. First, mechanics. Second, market knowledge. And third, mindset. And I'll suggest some resources along the way to help you with these things. Because we're going to cover so much stuff in such a short time, in today's show notes, I've put together a cheat sheet of these skills, the kind of knowledge you need to line up, as well as the resources I mentioned this in the show. I almost said in the snow. You got me thinking about snow <laughs> in, in the show. So let's get started. First, the first set is mechanics. And I have an online music teacher named Guy Mitchellmore, and he has a very important suggestion. It's for learning to compose music, but it would work just as well in this case for copywriting. He's repeated it several times, and this is his suggestion. Learn to do the little things extremely well. So what are those little things in copywriting? There's a lot of them, but for a big project, I've identified five. And if you can get these down, every big project will go a lot easier. First one is breaking a complex idea into smaller parts. This principle is well known. You know, it's easier to eat an elephant one bite at a time if you're into eating elephants. In law firms, the prize activity of breaking big problems into smaller connected problems is reserved for the most talented senior lawyers. But copywriting is not as complicated as the law. We all pretty much know what the different parts of a sales letter or a video le sales letter script are, the headline, the lead, the story, the offers, the bullets, guarantee, the call to action. And there are other parts sometimes too, but that's not a big mystery. The problem for copywriters sometimes comes with the mechanism, how the product works, and the offer, what the prospect gets. These are both a little trickier to break down into smaller bite-sized pieces. And this is something you can learn to do over time. One way to speed up your learning curve so you'll be closer to ready the next time you face a big project is on page of 117 of Alex Harmozzi's book, $100 million offers, where he shows you how you can take one idea and offer and break it down into smaller pieces, many of which will be bonuses. And in that case, you've got the sum of the parts greater than the original whole. That's not what I'm talking about here, but the skill is the same, breaking down something that's an idea into smaller parts. Whether or not you increase the perceived monetary value, it will be more valuable to you because it will be easier for your prospects to understand and therefore they will be more likely to buy 
and a higher conversion rate means more value. So I got a lot more, but does this bring anything up you want to say real quick? All I can say is that book that you just mentioned, uh, what is it, $100 million offers is yeah. phenomenal. I, I think it's going to be part of a series, but I picked it up a few months back and just ran through it, and it was an amazing book. So that's all I have to add. Yeah, and I've got it mentioned in the show notes and a link to Amazon. I totally agree. That that book is amazing. All right, number two of the five little things mapping out your sales letter into chunks and doing one chunk at a time without worrying about the other ones while you do it. At first, this is as simple as creating category, headline and lead, opening story, objections, and so on. The trick is to focus on just one at a time when you're working. And if you know what that one piece is, you can rest easy that the other ones are not just thoughts that could evaporate in the blink of an eye, but instead they're sitting there on paper or electronically patiently waiting for you to get to them. And it's much easier that way to focus calmly on just one of the pieces. And we'll talk more about focus in part three of this, this podcast, Mindset. But in terms of creating a visual of your entire sales letter, this is where learning to create a mind map on paper or using a mind map app comes in handy. I've tried a lot of them, and currently my favorite one is Mind Maple for Mac. I don't think they make it for Mac anymore. I got it a number of years ago. I can only find a Windows version online currently available, but there are tons of other good mind mapping programs available, some for free. Any thoughts about this? Just back to what Bond said last week when he was on the show, which is sometimes when breaking it up into little chunks, start with the last chunk. Start with your call to action because you're going to have the most energy. You're going to not be drained. And also it gives you something to work towards. If you've got that, I'm working towards this call to action, then you can make sure that the rest of it stays in alignment with that final destination. So I like this idea, but maybe once in a while, try starting from the end, start with the end in mind. I think that's great. And you know, my idea has always been start with the offer, but I think starting with a call to action, is even better. Still helps to map it out. So you know how you're getting there. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the third thing you want to get really little thing, not this one's not so little, but it's getting human stories. You need to know how to do this, especially for a long sales letter, if you want to stand a chance of what making what you have to say credible. So getting case studies, getting stories from other people about research, getting stories from other people, getting stories about other people from research, but keeping them anonymous until you get signed permission to use their names to illustrate unfamiliar ideas and stories to answer objections. Knowing how to get them is important. Not knowing can be immensely frustrating once you start a big project. Knowing how will save you hours of frustration. And learning how to get these and how to edit them are both arts in and of themselves. It's worth taking some time and seeking out resources to learn how to do this, especially getting this done before you sit down to write will save you a lot of rehashing and rewriting time. Number four is writing compelling headlines and subheads. And get good at this. Um, hand copying great headlines in the beginning is really good. It does work. There are a lot of resources to get you better. I'll recommend my book, Advertising Headlines Make You Rich. Sometimes it's better when you're 
starting a big project to start with a placeholder headline, you know you're going to redo it, knowing you'll come back to it later as you get further in the copy. Often ideas come to you as you're working through the rest of the copy. And the fifth thing, little thing to get good at, is using picture words. This is one of those little things that can make a huge difference for you. I knew about writing using the senses, visual, auditory, kinesthetic. Emot- I, I, knew, I knew that before I read Gene Schwartz's book, The Brilliance Breakthrough. But that book really drove it home for me <clears throat> and showed me in great detail and with great proficiency. The book didn't, it, and I'm working on the proficiency myself all the time, how to use picture words really effectively in copy. So I'm going to give you two sentences. I want you to compare them. Sentence number one, the rabbit went down the hole. Sentence number two, the furry shiny rabbit scurried across the grass and dove headfirst into the rabbit hole. What's the difference? In the first case, you have a vague idea about a rabbit going down the hole. In the second case, you can see a lot better what the rabbit looks like and specifically how it moves. First, on his way to the hole, and secondly, on his jump into the hole. So knowing how to use picture words will help your copy in many, many ways. I just want to add, be careful with it, though, because you run the risk of becoming too wordy, and that is always the the fine art of editing copy is determining which words, including picture words, need to be there and which ones need to be chopped. Yeah, that's a really good point. You can go crazy with this and your copy starts to read like, um, I don't know, a creative writing exercise in a class or something. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you you got to trim it down. That's true. All right. So that was the first one, which was mechanics. The second one has more to do with knowledge. It's called market knowledge. And there are three kinds of knowledge you should ideally have or at least have rapid organized access to before you get into a project. The first one is historical knowledge. It helps to know and in fact to have internalized principles from books like Scientific Advertising by Claude Hopkins and How to Make Your Advertising Make Money by John Caples. It also helps to have read a lot more books and have taken seminars and courses. You're not going to use or even agree with everything you see in here, but it will help you feel more confident and make better, quicker decisions when you're working to have already taken a lot of what's out there in. A really good investment of your time to do so. Another kind of historical knowledge for a copywriter is to be familiar with the actual copy written in the past that has done well, which you can usually find online. I believe Gary Ben Savenga said when he was really active that he would read a page or more of copy out loud before he started. And obviously it was good copy he would read before he even started working. Um, So what kind of copy? Old Gary Halbert letters, his sales pieces, Joe Carbo's Lazy Man's Way to Riches ad, the Wall Street Journal Two Young Men letter, ads by Gene Schwartz. The more of these you've read or even hand copied, the better off you are with historical knowledge. There's nothing like knowing copy that works. So that's the first kind of knowledge, the historical knowledge. The second time is second kind is real-time knowledge. Who are your competitors? 
or who do your prospects think your competitors are if you don't think you have any? Who might your prospect go to instead of you? And what are their offers? What's working with lead generation these days? How sophisticated is the market about your kind of offer? How much educating will you have to do in your copy to make the sale? Those kind of things. You're not writing in a vacuum. You might think you are when you're all alone, your lonely garret, the wind blowing and the seagulls running by as you're writing. But the reality, your stuff goes out in the marketplace. People read it when there's babies crying, spouses yelling, phones ringing, Twitter coming up with some new wisdom every few seconds, right? So how much are you going to need to do to get the person focused on what you're doing? You need a sense of where you are writing will fit in to the big picture in your prospect's world. And knowing that will make it much easier to get going on a big project. The third kind of knowledge that you would need, again, to move you away from frustration flow. I mean, a lot of flow is just having your intuition go right to your fingers. You know, you just know what to do. Human nature knowledge. If you've been writing copy for a while, you should have this. First of all, conventional wisdom about human psychology doesn't work at all. It's usually wrong. Secondly, oversimplifications like, well, there are only two emotions in people, fear and greed. That can be useful shorthand once you've been around a while and you understand how to take that a little deeper and what it really looks like. But, but it's dangerous to believe that fear and greed are all there is until you have some actual experience and understand those subtle variations and the exceptions to this rule. And if you're new, you should find out about human psychology as marketers see it and you should sell to that psychology. A couple of books that will help you out are How to Write a Good Advertisement by Victor Schwab, especially Chapter 2, and Triggers by Joe Sugarman. And again, we've got links for all this stuff in the show notes at copywriterspodcast.com, or if you're watching this on YouTube, in the notes underneath. Okay, now we have the mechanics and the marketing knowledge and when you have those in your toolbox, you've removed a lot of the roadblocks and you've eased the frustration that would have otherwise come up for you as you head down the path to complete a project, which means it's a lot more likely to get done. And getting done isn't a foregone conclusion. You may have to put some effort into it. But the third piece, which is really only of limited value until you have the first two under control, is mindset. It's limited because, see, you can be as positive in your emotions as you want. Yes, you really can. But if you don't have the skills and the knowledge down to at least the minimum necessary degree, you can get the project done, but you're going to keep running into frustrating roadblocks. So bear all that in mind as we get into mindset. To complete a project without wanting to give up or without it taking forever you need to know about the four F's. No, not those four F's. If you went to junior high school around the time that I did, I'm talking about these four F's, focus, flexibility, faith, and the first three lay the groundwork for number four, which is flow, the ultimate grand prize, flow. So first mindset thing 
you need to do get under control is focus, at least for a little while, maybe 20 or 30 minutes. Take breaks when you need to. Once you get absorbed in what you're doing, you can focus for longer periods. But if you can't focus at all, you're going to have an extremely hard time getting a project done. One thing I found useful for focus is an app called brain.fm. They gave me a review copy and I found it helps a lot to put on the headphones and listen to their specialty music for certain tasks. Nathan, you mentioned earlier to me that you use meditation. Do you want to talk about that at all? Yeah, so I do a four-fold breath meditation each morning and each night where I just spend time breathing in for four seconds, holding it for four seconds, breathing out for four seconds, and then holding out for four seconds, and then just focusing exclusively on my breath for as long as I can. And I find that it really helps me when it comes to writing because having that practice practiced focusing practicing in the morning practicing at night when i sit down to the at the computer to write like you mentioned twitter and facebook and all of these different things i mean the whole world's right there at your fingertips it's really easy to get distracted but when i spend time each day focusing on my breathing it helps me stay more focused on my writing or any other situation that I'm in when I'm spending time with Bella, I'm able to focus more with that when I'm spending time doing pretty much anything in life, I'm I'm able to be more present. And it's one of those how you do one thing is how you do everything. If you learn how to focus on your breathing, it helps learning how to focus on whatever other tasks you're doing throughout the day. That's awesome. Re really good advice. I meditate as well, but I don't have nearly as structured or intentional the process, but at least I do it every day. So that's something. Flexibility is the second F and flexibility. Here's what it means here. There might be more than one way to get a result or do a particular part of a project. Flexibility does not mean glossing over important details like an amateur or playing fast and loose with the facts like a bad propagandist. Sometimes flexibility means knowing when to abandon a project. This is not, by the way, when the going gets tough. There are bound to be rough spots and seeming impossibilities on every project. Flexibility means being willing to try more than one way to solve them. Flexibility also does mean, and this is rare and should only be used on those rare times when you use it as a last resort, flexibility means knowing when to give up and throw in the towel. Some projects are just never going to happen, no matter what. And flexibility is required to let go when it's so obvious there's nothing more you can do. But for completing projects, flexibility usually means being willing to try more than one approach without beating the hell out of yourself for not choosing the right one in the first place. Mm -hmm. After all, sometimes you never really know what will work until you try it. Number three, the third F is faith. And this does not mean religious faith, although sometimes that surely helps. Now, the faith I'm talking about here is a faith in your methods and a faith in yourself, a belief that even if the end is nowhere in sight and you can't entirely see how you're going to get there, knowing that you will if you stay the course and follow the plan, that kind of faith. And the fourth 
F, it's the big prize. It's the goal we've been going for all along. It's the flow state. Like when the round jigsaw puzzle piece slips into the round hole effortlessly. Flow is about as effortless a state as you can get into when you're working. And what happens is you're relaxed enough to know all the pieces are in place or in easy reach. And you don't need to worry about what to do or how to do it. You just do it. I'm not an expert on the flow state, but I'm familiar with it. I know that it happens when I've taken care of most of the steps above. I can't tell you exactly how I get there, but I've done it often enough. So I have confidence that when I've done the right prep, I'll get there again when I need to. And there are a couple other things that will help you get in the flow state. One, liking the project you're working on. And two, liking writing copy in the first place. And I know that's not always the case for everyone, but the more you can make it so, the better things will go for you. Okay, so that was a metric ton of stuff. What do you think? <laughs> Two things. Number one, flexibility. I have learned to become flexible with my expectations about things. Specifically, I think this headline's going to work, but one of the guys I'm working with thinks this other headline is going to work. And instead of being stubborn and saying, we're just going to go with my way, being willing to say, hey, I'm willing to test them. And if I'm wrong, I'm willing to be wrong because it's going to make the client money. So flexibility in that aspect is really good for a copywriter. The other thing, and this is, I, I believe I first heard this in a recording of Eugene Schwartz. He was talking about the Pomodoro timer technique where mm -hmm. he sets he sets a timer for a specific amount of time to work and then he deliberately takes a break. Sometimes having that time to take a break and go for a walk or just walk around the house or uh, get some fluid in you. It's for me, sometimes it's smoking a bowl and then going for a walk. And then all of a sudden I get back in the flow state. So sometimes when you're you were talking about hitting your head against that brick wall earlier, sometimes just knowing when to take a break and even scheduling a break will help you stay in that flow state. Yeah, as you get better at this or more experienced at this writing copy, doing projects, you tend to be able to write in a more concentrated way, more intensely. And so you need less time to accomplish one chunk of the project, but you're also burning a lot of real and creative calories. And, and so you need those breaks to refresh. It's kind of like think of a formula one racer where they need those pit stops. They the driver needs to rest. They probably need to change the tires, all those things. You know, if you're doing these very concentrated small segments, you also need to air it out a little bit, smoke a bowl, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Both David and I live in states where smoking a bowl is legal. So take that in mind when you listen to us talk about it. Yes. All right, David, a fantastic episode. It reminds me of some, we did a previous episode where you were talking about just kind of collecting everything and making sure you had all the pieces in place and letting it kind of come to a boil before you started putting pen to paper. And I think that 
a lot of this that we went through today is very similar to that, where it's kind of a collection process. It's a, it's getting your wits about you and making sure all of the pieces are in place. That way, once you sit down to write, it's all there. The, the whole, all the ingredients are there ready to turn into the stew. Absolutely. One thing that has become more and more apparent to me, the more I do this, is something Gene Schwartz said in a lecture at Rodale Press. It sort of floats around the internet. I don't think anyone has officially published it. He said that copywriting is not writing. It's assembling. Now, obviously, literally, there is some writing involved. But when you look at it that way, first of all, it's not as overwhelming. I probably should have included that officially, but I'm including it officially now. How's that? And the other thing is, if you're assembling, then I guess you need to have the pieces. Either you have the pieces beforehand or you create them from scratch while you're doing your copywriting. I would um, think it's probably better to have a lot of them pre-assembled. It, it really doesn't take away from your spontaneity or your creativity. What it does is it, it frees up your brain to figure out the best way to do it or the best way to tweak it. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So before we're out of here, and I'll make sure that we put them in the show notes, but do you want to go through the books that we mentioned today? And and like I said, I'll make sure that we're also including links to them in the show notes. Sure. There are, let's see, I think about seven books. Uh, the first one is $100 million Offers by Alex Hormozzi. The second one is The Brilliance Breakthrough by Gene Schwartz. Third one is Advertising Headlines That Make You Rich by yours truly. The fourth one is Scientific Advertising by Claude Hopkins. Fifth one is How to Make Your Advertising Make Money by John Caples. The sixth one is How to Write a Good Advertisement by Victor Schwab. And the seventh one is Triggers by my friend Joe Sugarman. Awesome. All right. So a lot to chew on. I definitely recommend going back and listening to this show a second time and absorbing all of the stuff that we talked about today. David, thank you for always putting so much effort into creating these shows. I appreciate it. I know the listeners out there appreciate it. And if you listening want to check out more episodes, head on over to copywriterspodcast.com. You can find all previous 250 episodes there. You can also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast app, Make sure to leave us a rating and a review. Let us know how you feel about the podcast. And until next time, we will talk to you later. Yeah, and I just have two words, not those words, two words to say to our listeners. Finish it. There you okay. go. All right, man. Catch you later. Catch you later. Do you have a problem with Kindle books? I do. Sometimes I really just want to hold a book in my hand so I can turn the pages and highlight stuff and make notes. That's one reason I recently released the print version of my book, Breakthrough Copywriting. And listen to this. On Facebook, I've gotten pictures posted from around the world. Pictures of people holding their printed copy of Breakthrough Copywriting in their hands including one from an A-list screenwriter and marketer in L.A.'s famous Topanga Canyon. He was reading the book in his hot tub. Breakthrough Copywriting is a great book for you 
whether you are a beginner or an A-lister yourself or anywhere in between. It costs a tiny, tiny fraction of my $5,000 a head seminar that the book is based on. So check out Breakthrough Copywriting on Amazon.com. Now, back to the show. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.